Welcome to As I Live and Grieve, a podcast that tells the truth about how hard this is. We're glad you joined us today. We know how hard it is to lose someone you love and how well-intentioned friends and family try so hard to comfort us. We created this podcast to provide you with comfort, knowledge, and support. We are grief advocates, not professionals, not licensed therapists. We are you. Hi, everyone, and welcome back again to As I Live and Grieve. So happy you returned to listen again. Or if you're a new listener, welcome to your first time. I hope you'll enjoy what you're going to hear today. Today's guest is one of my very, very, very favorite, not just guest, but one of my very favorite people. Gary Rowe is with us today. He's such a gentle soul, and I know you're going to love him also. Hi, Gary, and welcome again. Hello, Kathy. It's always a pleasure to be with you, and it's great to be here today. Oh, thanks so much. Before we get into our topic at hand, would you just do us a favor and give our listeners a little refreshing of your background, please? Oh, my goodness. I... Now, I can see Kathy, and the rest of you can't, but she smiles when she asks that question because um, a little refresher, you know, a little. um, I came from a background, it was a hard one, uh, a background of mixed messages, sexual abuse, and uh, a lot of loss um, throughout my childhood. Uh, Lost two grandfathers before I hardly knew who they were. uh, lost a, a best friend at the age of 12 to spinal meningitis. My parents uh, ended up separating and divorcing. My, my mom slipped slowly over a number of years in a mental illness to the extent that by the time I was an early teenager, she was pretty non-functional. I, I lived with my dad for a while. Uh, he was a single parent, but uh, he had a heart attack and died right in front of me. So that that was basically me until the age of 15. And uh, from 15 on, I wish I could say, wow, it got a lot easier after that. But, you know, it didn't. Life doesn't get easier. The losses piled up over time. But thankfully, thankfully, somewhere back there about the age of 16 or so, I decided, you know, there were some trends in my life that I didn't like that I saw coming. And I thought, you know what, I've got to get a handle on this. I've got to figure out a way to heal and grow through this. And as I did that, I looked up and I was surrounded by other people, teens and then college students, etc., who were hurting too and looking to heal and grow. And as a result, my entire adult life has been about uh, really helping myself and helping other people heal and grow. My past is one of, of pretty much full-time ministry. I was a missionary in Japan for a number of years. Uh, a pastor for two plus decades, a hospice chaplain for 12 years. And uh, now I've kind of been on my own for the past two years, just writing, speaking, uh, and doing some grief coaching as God allows. You know, every time I hear that story, I hear something new and different. And I am still blown away by the transition in your life. And how sometimes it takes just that intention when you reach a certain point in your life to say, I'm not going to live like this. And then somewhere deep within yourself, you find the strength not only to go on, but to change things. Yes. And it's so powerful when that happens. Yes, it is. 
Today, we're going to talk about your newest book. And I say newest book. You have many. You have four different series of books, as I recall. Today's book that we're going to talk about and the topic at hand is The Loss of a Child. The title of your book is Broken Walk, Experiencing God After the Loss of a Child. And this is book number three in your God and Grief series. That's correct. I'm going to start out by, um, I don't even know what page it is, but it's at the very beginning of your book, and it's a chapter entitled, What is this book all about? And for our listeners, all of your chapters are brief. They're impactful, but they're brief. So it's something that when you are in the depths of your grief and find you can only absorb a few words at a time, these are the perfect length Hmm. to do a chapter a day. And by the way, there's 158 chapters. So this book is going to last you a while if all you do is read one chapter a day. So this can be a companion, a day-by-day companion in your grief. But on this page, it starts with a quote such as one of our well-intentioned but misguided friends might say, after you have lost your child, it's okay, you're strong. You'll get through this. Next on Gary's page are the thoughts that might be running through your head. Okay, excuse me, the death of my child is not okay. Strong? How can I be strong right now? Get through this? What is this exactly? I'm broken and devastated. And then Gary goes on with his comments, much as if you were sitting down having a cup of coffee with him. He's going to give you a little dose of reality, but he does it gently. He tells you that the death of a child is shocking, crushing, heartbreaking, traumatic, and unbelievably painful. Then at the end of each little chapter, he closes with a little summary and a passage from Scripture. And then wraps it all up like a nice little bow with a little affirmation, as in one of his chapters, Lord, I'm stunned, shocked, and shaken. I can barely breathe. Be my strength and my help. You are my refuge. So there you go, listeners. That's the tone of Gary's book. 158 chapters like that all dealing with the loss of your child. This is an amazing book for yourself. It's also an amazing gift for someone who's lost a child. Much better than just telling them it's okay, they're strong, and they'll get over Mm -hmm. it. Just pass them this book. Have it sent as a gift from Amazon, for example. Let them find it on their doorstep. It will help them. So, Gary, the loss of a child. When I hear the word child, I think of a young child. Was it your intention that this book be directed at someone who has lost a young child, say, teen teen years and younger? No, it wasn't. Um, The one thing I am discovering as I get older is that I never cease to be a parent. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm always a parent. It doesn't matter how old my children get. And... 
all uh, yes roles change and some some other things change relationships change the way we relate changes but fundamentally all the things of a parent are still there the desire to protect the desire to engage the desire to know that your kids are okay uh, that they're doing well all all of those things so this book is really designed to connect with the heart of a parent a grieving mom or dad no matter how old your child was when you lost them and no matter how you lost them it's it's designed to be generic enough to do that but yet to be specific enough that it connects with your heart in each chapter because at least from my experience from listening to thousands of grieving parents there are certain commonalities there are certain things in common for every grieving parent. Every child is unique. Every relationship is unique. Every parent is unique. Yes, every grief process will be unique. And yet, there are some common things that we all run into that uh, really have a tendency to trip us up, to make life miserable for us. And just so many obstacles on this road of child loss that are just natural but they're so hard. And after a while, we don't think we're making any progress and we, we can begin to feel discouraged. We can begin to even despair. Depression can begin to take hold simply because we feel like nobody understands and nobody gets it and, not, and nobody else is going through this. But the reality is that that's not true. There are other people who would understand you know, no, they don't know what you feel because that's unique to you. But <clears throat> they do get it in terms of what it means to, to lose a child. And that this road is more populated than any of us would like to believe. Very true. My next question centers around the title, Broken Walk, I Understand. And I think that's kind of a common thread in this God and Grief series. But the experiencing God after the loss of a child, can you kind of clarify a bit? I think I know what you mean, but can you clarify why you chose those words? Yes. You know, there's um, <clears throat> there are a lot of people who will say, and some people might be listening that this is true for, oh, I believe in God. That is a little different from saying, I have a relationship with God. And saying, I have a relationship with God is a little different from saying, I really know him, and I'm getting to know him. And we have a disadvantage in our culture. Uh, the disadvantage is, you know, when the Old Testament was written, it was written in Hebrew. When the New Testament was written, it was written predominantly in Greek. And in both of those languages, the word for know, K-N-O-W, meant to personally experience something. Personally experience it. And so when they said, we know someone, it means to be in relationship with them and to have personally experienced them. In our language, yeah, you know, to know someone or to know something means to intellectually grasp something, you know, or, or I, I get, oh, yeah, Steve, I know Steve. I've never had a conversation with Steve, but I know Steve, you know, that kind of thing. But in Greek and Hebrew, it wasn't that way at all. So I toyed with the word no here, but I thought, no, that doesn't fit. 
because what we're really after here in this book is helping people heal and grow by getting to know God better. Who he is, how he thinks about losses like this. Does he care for me? In what sense does he care for me? How can I experience him and, and walk with him through something as devastating as this when all I am is angry at him and perhaps wonder if he even exists anymore. So I, I really wrote the book using that word experiencing because at least from my perspective, I, I don't know how anyone gets through a loss of a child by themselves without walking with God through this. Because we need perspective. We, we need wisdom. We need knowledge and insight and discernment that is beyond us. If we're just limited to us and what we have inside of us to offer, and that's it, personally, I've been there and I don't ever want to be there again. That That is a dead-end street and I'm a very closed system and I have tons of limitations. <laughs> but I, mean, I, mean, I, I could all day long list my limitations. But I need, I need someone who knows me who knows who I am, uh, who created me, who has a good plan for me, whose love for me is not circumstantial and based on what happens or based on what I'm going through or based on my circumstances, but his love for me supersedes all of those things and he knows all about grief. I mean, Jesus knows. It's interesting that in the book of Isaiah in the Old Testament, it calls the coming Messiah who we believe is Jesus 700 years after that, he calls him a man of sorrows, well acquainted with grief. And on the cross, I believe he bore all of our sins. It also says he bore all of our griefs. And so he knows all about suffering. He gets it. Nobody else around me might get it, but he gets it. So my goal with this book is to help people make a step one more step toward the realization and hopefully hopefully embrace Jesus gets it. God gets it. He, he really is trustworthy. I really can know him and he really can walk with me through this and give me hope in the midst of something that just looks so utterly devastating and hopeless. Absolutely. It makes sense now, but then it raises what I have come to call my toddler questions mm -hmm. in almost every podcast, I have a toddler question, <laughs> which is born out of innocence, but I have to ask, so why would you say experiencing God instead of experiencing Jesus? You know, number one, they're one and the same. Right. Now, we could get into stuff that theologians have debated for centuries about, right. the, about the Trinity, et cetera, and all of that. I did debate that, Kathy, for a long time and and I thought you know most most people will say they believe in God so I thought you know I want to meet most people where they are if I can so I just went with I guess the more generic term however when I do that that's a little dangerous I say a little dangerous because if we were to do a, a man or woman on the street interview today and just walked up to them and say hi do you believe in God who do you think God is we would get all kinds of answers, oh, yeah. all kinds of answers. So that's a very good question. 
Well, again, that makes sense to me, but I, I suspected maybe somebody else was wondering too. I bet so. With my limitations and my limited knowledge of theology and everything, I, I can only say I believe what I believe. I have always looked to God as the top of the hierarchy, if you will. Mm. Jesus as his son gets it because he knows and understands God. Mm. But Jesus is the one who maybe is a little bit more relatable because we have the stories of him walking among us. Yes, we do indeed. So that was, as a child, that was kind of how I kind of related to it all. Because for a child, and it carries on into your adulthood, I think, especially today when the church congregations are not as popular. Yes. Churches in general are smaller. There's so much online, and, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. a lot of people have kind of turned away from that community-based church. In adulthood, even, I think you can still have those doubts and those questions with no one to turn to for answers. Yes. But I like what you said when you said Jesus gets it. Now, I lost an infant mm-hmm. um, who actually, when first born, was stillborn. Mm-hmm. Then they revived him. He was so ill, mm-hmm. had so many issues that they whisked him away to a nearby hospital that had a better NICU. And then 24 hours later, my son died. This was a son that I never held, never saw. Mm-hmm didn't even see a picture of him. So this was a difficult kind of grief for me because I knew it happened. And it was years ago, decades ago. There weren't any support groups like there are now and everything. Mm -hmm. So I just kind of went on with my life. Nobody addressed it. We buried this little body in the cemetery. And I've been back a couple of times. But And then, of course, I had two beautiful daughters to focus my life on, center my life around. But it didn't strike me until, actually until after I started this podcast, that all of this grief that had been there for almost 40 years came back with a vengeance, Mm -hmm. with a vengeance. Something like that is very difficult. That was an infant. But I know personally several people in my, my network, they have lost their adult child to suicide. Yet, as I read through your book, I could see how it could apply to them as well. I didn't see that distinction in age that I think of when I read the word child because, I mean, my girls are still children. I tease Stephanie every year that this is just an anniversary of her 21st birthday (laughs) because I can't in my mind face the fact that she is the age she is. Same with Kelly, my younger daughter. Mm. They've never really grown up to me. There's still a child. There's still a child. So I can see how all that works. When you did these 158 chapters, did you have a chronology to them? so to speak. Is there an order that you chose, or are these all just random? They aren't random, and yet, I guess, the book does tell kind of a story, and the way I kind of logically begin it is there's there's certain things that grieving parents experience right away after the loss of a child, and some of those things, now I say that, And the thing we need to be very careful about, in my opinion, it's just my opinion, is that, you know, when we talk about grief in stages, and, you know, I know I've said this before, I don't like the word stage, because 
It has the idea that you go into it and then you come out of it. You graduate from it. That, as we know in grief, is very misleading because, you know, we can be right back uh, experiencing the same feelings that we experienced right after the death, two years later, 40 years later, 30 years later. So I kind of, I, I think the way the book is written is it's kind of a progression of a person that is working through their grief and the things that they deal with along the way. And when you get to the the middle part of the book, there's more, you know, questioning about this, that, or the other. The first part of the book, there's a lot of things like emotional overwhelm and dealing with this emotion, this emotion. and But sprinkled in there are all kinds of things like dealing with this relationship and dealing with work and dealing with, you know, if you did lose a younger child and you still have kids in the house. You know, there's a couple of chapters on, oh my goodness, what do I do with this? You know, how in the world do I keep myself together here? But it eventually works toward beginning to see the loss differently. It's still devastating. It's still tragic, all of those things. But making the decision to heal and grow through this to honor your child by doing so, to honor God who created them by doing so, and to honor your child and honor God by beginning to use this grief as a tool for good in the lives of other people, in your own life, finding ways to do that toward eventually uh, beginning to use your grief to serve and love other people And when we can get to that point, Kathy, as you well know from this podcast and a lot of other things, we really heal a little bit every time we do that. We might not not feel the healing, but it's a lot like eating breakfast. You know, if you're a breakfast breakfast eater, you know, I can't tell you, of course, I eat the same thing for breakfast, so I can tell you what I ate three weeks ago. But the, the point is, is that every little thing we do builds on itself in that direction. Right. So I guess there is sort of an order to the book. I would never tell anybody, oh, you can just pick this book up and why don't you start with just read chapter 130. Well, that's a bit like pulling the lever on the slot machine. You know, you, you don't you don't know what you're going to get with that. Also, it's also the reason why I chose not to title the chapters. OK, they just have numbers. One, two, three, four, five, because it's designed, as you said, You don't have to read it that way, but the book is really designed to get into it, read one chapter a day. Uh, It's a, you know, each chapter is two pages long, sometimes barely one page long, just enough to kind of connect with your heart and move you toward healing over time. I agree. I, I guess I would call it journey. Yes. And the journey should begin at the beginning. Yes. And accompany you on your journey as well. Yes. So I felt that. I was fortunate enough to be in the pre-release group that got to read advanced copies of the book, and I fell in love with it. Even though the loss of my child was 40-ish years ago, sometimes I will just open the book and turn to the last page of a chapter just for that little affirmation prayer. Mm just for that one or two sentences, and it just gives me strength through the day. It may or may not pertain specifically to the loss of my child, but it still gives me strength. 
So this book, like your others, Gary, mm-hmm. have wonderful purpose and are wonderful companions as you move through your grief. I think any one of your books would be invaluable to someone who's grieving. Sadly, you know what happens. Our time is running short. So my very next question before I offer the mic to you is, what's next? Oh, goodness. Well, Kathy, right now um, we're working on finalizing uh, a book that is, it's my first book for grieving siblings. It's, it's called Grieving the Right Way, uh, W-R-I-T-E, for Siblings a practical grief workbook. So it is, I do have a previous book, Grieving the Right Way. Uh, It's generic for any loss. So this one is going to be specifically for siblings. And uh, that should, we don't know exactly the release date, but we're looking at probably a couple of weeks. So it's soon on the horizon. All right. So we're looking forward to that. I look forward to that as well. Now this is your turn, Gary. You get to have the mic all to yourself. Of course, I would give it to you for the whole 30 minutes because it would be phenomenal. But I have to ask my questions. Absolutely. But this is your turn to speak directly to our listeners. Tell them whatever you want. Tell them about your website, what you can offer them. I know you have some free resources on your website that are also invaluable. All right. I would say this, um, we all need multiple sources to heal in our grief. We, we need multiple tools in our toolbox. And if you're listening today and this podcast has resonated with you in any way, you know, the things that I have said, if they have resonated with you, please come visit me on my website. Uh, it's very simple, GaryRoe.com, G-A-R-Y-R-O-E.com. Uh, the website is pretty extensive. You can find a lot of different things things there. If you go to the resources tab, it will pull up for you four or five free resources. There, there are small ebooks there. Uh, there's also an email course called the Good Grief Mini Course that's uh, eight sessions to it. It comes to your inbox once a week. And I think the most valuable thing is, is that people ask all the time, how can I get emails from you? And I've heard you do monthly Zoom sessions that are no cost and, and free. Just And how do I get on that list? Well, everybody who downloads a free resource gets on what I call my insider list. So you'll get a about two emails a week from me. You'll get a monthly free and you know invite to a free Zoom session. And even if you can't show up at the time, you know, if you just sign up, then you get the recording link. So you get the benefit of being at the session without being at the session. And anyway, there's that you get book news that way, um, free articles that way, etc. So if this conversation has resonated with you at all, I would please come to GaryRow.com. Click on the resource tab, look at those free resources, say, this one looks good, download it. Uh, That will put you on my list. And of course, uh, you can unsubscribe from that list anytime that you want to. If down the road you say, well, and as often the case, I'm not in the same place that I was. And so I think I can take a break. Thanks so much. Okay, listeners, it's about time to sign off for today's session. I so appreciate y'all being there around the world, wherever you are. Remember to take care of yourselves. And I find for me, reading 
is part of my self-care. It gives me strength. It gives me reassurance that I'm not alone. And just all in all makes me feel better. It's, it's a good start for my day. And I start and end each day with reading something. And usually it's something about grief or grieving. To the moms and dads out there that may have lost a child, my heart goes out to you. It is a horrible, horrible loss. I don't believe it was really ever intentioned that we should lose our children. We always feel that we're going to go before and leave them. So it's especially crushing when it happens. To the mothers who have lost a child during pregnancy, that's also a very, very special special loss and my heart goes out to you as well you're in my Mm -hmm. thoughts and prayers daily stay well and we'll catch you again next week as we all continue to live and grieve thank you so much for listening with us today do you have a topic that you'd like us to cover or do you have a question from one of our episodes please email us at info at as i live and grieve dot com and let us know We hope you will find a moment to leave a review, send an email, and share with others. Join us next time as we continue to live and grieve together.